All right. God is greater. God is greater. What is he greater than? Everything. I think we're beginning to get this. God is greater than everything. Now, before I get started, we are starting a new series this Wednesday night. Um, kind of looking at our, all of our different personalities. Kind of looking at, at why we are like we are. And this Wednesday night is key because we're going to be taking a test. Don't you love taking tests? Well, this one will be fun. I guess. I mean, filling in bubble sheets isn't that fun, but it's going to be fun. Learning who you are and us getting to enjoy while we are like we are. Uh, but I want to really encourage you. It is a, it is a um, journey to try to figure out why God made us like he did. And why am I not fitting with my spouse? And how can I fit better with my spouse? How can I fit better with my family? How can I fit better with my church? And how can my church fit better with me? And how can my spouse fit better with me? And it's just trying to understand why we do things like we do. I, I believe it is going to be um, hilarious. I believe it is going to be, I believe revelation is going to come into your life. And I believe you're going to stop fighting who you are. And start allowing what God has made you to be to work through the way that he desires for you to work this out. You walking as a Christian according to the way God has made you. It says in scripture, raise up your kids in the way that they should go. They have a way to go. We have to find the way that they are to go. Same goes for us. All right. So Wednesday night, come Wednesday night, 630. Usually lasts about an hour. It's going to be fun. God is greater what is God greater than today? God is greater than the storm. We have just battled some storms the last few weeks. We've really had some weird weather. But God's greater than the storm. Psalm 37 verse 18 says this, The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. I want you to know that's my promise. That's a promise for me. That's a promise for you. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm not the blameless. No, you're not. Neither am I. I've got a lot of reasons to be blamed. Legit reasons. But because of the blood of Jesus... Because the blood of Jesus has clothed me in his righteousness, I represent the blameless. Has nothing to do with whether I deserve it or not. It has nothing to do with what you've walked in here with. I represent the blameless as long as I walk with Christ. That's a promise for me. That's a promise for you. Big question is, are you walking with Christ? Good question. Are you walking with Christ? So, I want to encourage you again. The storm, the storm, the weather, the things that are exploding around you does not dictate your happiness, does not dictate your success, does not dictate your inheritance, does not dictate your future. The problem is we think it does. And we respond to the weather, not to God. 
We respond to the weather and not to God. Those that are under the umbrella of God will not wither during disaster. When the economy is in the toilet, in days of famine, God's children will enjoy plenty. That is my promise. That is your promise. That is this church's promise. Everybody say amen. Let's go to the story where, do you guys remember the story? You may or may not. Do you remember the story where Jesus is in the bottom of the boat and a storm comes and the disciples freak? Anybody know that story? All right, get out your Bibles with me if you don't mind. Mark chapter 4. You may know this, you may not. It's okay. If you don't know it, this is going to be a great, a, a great um, preaching of the word for you today. This, this might just be revolution, revolutionary to your, to your spirit to see how great God is. Mark chapter 4. As evening came, did I get there? Sorry, here we go. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, guys, I've been reading my one-year Bible for I think 12 years now. It's, it's, it, it has just changed my life. And I'm still learning like crazy. Y'all laugh at 12 years. Man, I, I need a 13th year. Uh, because the Lord's still speaking to me. You'd think, hey, he's got it. I don't have it. I'm so far from having it. But in reading this passage over the last two or three weeks, you know what I caught from this scripture? Now remember, a storm's about to come. Jesus is going to be asleep. But the thing that jumped out at me so much today is Jesus led them where they're going. Does anybody see that? Jesus said, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, there, there are a lot of people within the church that when storms come, they blame those storms on that person's sin, on what that person is walking through. Oh, he's battling this illness. Well, he must have sin. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But storms come. Storms are going to come. But look, look here. Jesus said, go this way. You know, the disciples, we might read this later and think, well, the, the disciples must have just been going somewhere they shouldn't have been going. That storm was a sign they were going the wrong direction. The storm does not dictate. Jesus said go, and they went. So the disciples were in the right place. They weren't in the wrong place. Because you're in a storm doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Now, Jonah was caught in the wrong place. David, when it was time for the kings to go out and fight, was caught in the wrong place. Now, don't get me wrong, you can be in the wrong place. But here, this story, this testament, they are in the right place. So, are you all with me so far? All right, verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although the other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, I didn't read this anywhere, but I believe, why would it even tell us that he had his head on a cushion? I believe he was literally snoozing. This wasn't one of those things where he was just sitting there enjoying each other and just took a nap. All the disciples are somewhere else. Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep. 
really asleep. And here comes the waves. Here comes the crashing of the waves. The boat's starting to fill up with water. Let me ask you, is your boat starting to fill up with water? What happens? You can imagine the disciples, oh man, we're dead. We're going to die. This is it. And the Son of God is in the bottom. We better, probably better go wake him up because this is really going to affect his ministry if he dies. Jesus, we don't really want to, we don't want to disturb you, but we think this is going to have great effect on your ministry. I think that they were, they were, they were afraid for their life, but they forgot who they had with them. But they didn't forget so much that they didn't go and ask him. That was a good move. They were struggling and they went to Jesus to say, we've got a problem. They even said to Jesus, Jesus, you don't even care. You don't even care what's happening, Jesus, that we're all about to die, right? Woe is me, gloom, despair, and agony on me. My old school people get that one. My young people think, what is he talking about? It's all right. Ask an older person. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. (laughs) Okay, that's enough of that. Those of you that grew up in Putnam County back in those days realized that on Saturdays or Sundays, whatever day that channel came on, it was the only thing on. We were stuck having to watch Hee Haw. And Hee Haw was good for a while, but you know, as a young kid wanting to watch cartoons or something else, we were stuck watching Hee Haw. I would sing that song, Gloom Despair, Hee Haw's On. Okay. What's funny is as an adult, I like going back and watching it. (laughs) Okay, back on track. Jesus is asleep. Verse 39. Jesus woke up. He, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obeyed him. Now, did they just become more afraid of Jesus than they did of the storm? There's a lot going on with this story. These uh, disciples have been seeing miracles, but they just saw saw a miracle that affected them personally, right in front of them. I believe they had the true fear of God in their hearts right then. What has just happened? But I want to ask you a question. How did Jesus calm the storm? He spoke. John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the Word. Jesus spoke. The storm responded. The storm obeyed His Word. The storm submitted to His Word. You know, when you're in a storm, what do you need? You need a lot of things. But one thing that you need is you need an anchor. 
You know, you are getting tossed around right now in your life and you have no anchor. You need a firm foundation during a storm. And do you know what that firm foundation is? It's the word. It will never move. It will not move. When you start getting moved, it is because your anchor has been pulled up. So, today, how does the word serve as an anchor? What does the word do for us? A lot of times I want to see what do I get out of this? What does the word provide me? Number one, it comforts me. It comforts me even in the worst of storms in my life. The word comforts me. Comforts me. Psalm 57 verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. Don't want to get too far off here. But how do we get underneath the shadow of his wings? By his word. Right as the, as the enemy is in our face, we start to speak the word. We start to read the word. We start to meditate on the word. And all of a sudden, we become under the shadow of his wings. Right in the midst of the enemy, that tells us in his word that he prepares a table. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He is not lost while we are in battle. He is preparing a table for us right in their presence. Are you in a battle? God is with you. Verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose in me. Again, pay attention to the word. What happened? What happened before he fulfilled his purpose? I cried out. I cried out. He fulfilled his purpose in me. He will send his help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. That's my promise. Say, that's my promise. Yes. Psalm 23, verse 4, you know this one. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. He is close. Do you know how close God is to you? I don't think we can even fathom the closeness of God to us, but one way that he is close is he is as close as I can speak his word. He is as close as I can get it out of my mouth. You're in the middle of a storm. You have ammunition for victory. Immediate immediate it shows us in Daniel that when Daniel started praying immediately God started to send his angels it took 21 days to fight through the heavens to get here but God started moving immediately number two how does it serve as an anchor we just saw it comforts us number two this is a big one to me it reminds us of God's promises You know, if I get reminded of what the promise is, I will reject the lie. I'll reject the lie of the storm. 
unfortunately, so many times we believe the storm. We believe we're going down. We believe we're going to die. But the second the, the word starts working in us, we start buying into a different worldview. It reminds us of the promises of God. One of those promises is rest. What is, the equal, what is equal to rest? It's peace. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Who of you come? All of you. All of you. That's for you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then. Everybody say only then. Only then. When? Only then. You will prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why? Because the word is in you. Why? Because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have received the word as truth that is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Do not let the storm have dominion over you. When you command the word, God is there. Jesus is the word. When you use the word, you are engaging the kingdom of heaven. You are engaging the armies of heaven. You need to know the word so you can command it immediately when trouble comes. Number three, it reminds us of God's promises. Number three, it's a compass for our lives. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, we all know this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Even in the storm. It's easy to trust the Lord when things are good. It is also so easy that when the storm comes to forget everything. How many of you have been trained for a job and then tension and pressure hits and you forget everything? And your boss comes to you and says, what was that? Like, I don't know, I kind of I lost it. I kind of forgot what I was doing. I kind of forgot where I was. Can anybody relate? You know, you're in here today, you, you've, you've been praising and worshiping the Lord, you've gotten charged up, you're starting to believe again. And how many of you this week forgot everything when the enemy hit? Don't, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God is with you. Command the word. It is a compass for our life, especially in the storm. What does it say? It says, in all your ways acknowledge him. How do you? How do we do that? 
We know the scripture. You could probably even quote it. But do you know how to do it? How in all our ways do we acknowledge him? When the storm comes, we acknowledge him, not the storm. We acknowledge God. What does God say about what I'm about to face here? And you know, when we acknowledge him, we engage his word. When we engage his word, he is here. Scripture says he, is, he was looking over his word, ready to perform it. When we engage his word, he starts performing his word. Can you see the God cycle we need to be on? Not the storm circumstance cycle. The God cycle. His word. Finally, it teaches us how the Father works. It teaches us how the kingdom of God works. So the final question is, how does the anchor work in our life? How do we apply this anchor to our lives? How does this anchor work? I wanted to have a uh, prop today, um, but I, I, we couldn't find one. So I guess this is going to be kind of silly. I'm just going to use a pen but I don't have all the tools that I need. Um, imagine me having an anchor. Great anchor, will do the job nice and heavy. Got my boat. I, I, l- let me just say, I'm the boat. You know, we're, sometimes our boat's sinking. It's not, not like my boat's gonna sink and I'm gonna be okay. No, I'm sinking, right? I'm the boat. God, his word is the anchor. Yeah, I got his word, right? Here it is, I got it. I'm not gonna throw my Bible, even though I have before. This is, the, this is the anchor. And here we go. God, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. What did that do for me? I'm still going to drift. I'm dead. But God, the word. He's like, yep, yep, it'll do what it's supposed to do. It will not move. It will stay right where it landed. LAUGHTER It will stay right where it landed. But yet, here I still go. God, what are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? My word is still right where you put it. But here I go. Well, you have missed a step. You've missed a step. What's my step? You're not connected. Your boat's not connected. So, what's the question? How do I get connected? I have to be connected. The anchor will do its job. I'm not connected to the vine. Okay, so how do I get connected? Glad you asked. I'm the boat. God's the anchor. The Word's the anchor. And I believe what connects us, what do we need in literal terms? A rope. I need a rope. What's the rope? I believe the rope is our faith. Our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I cannot please God without faith. The things that I do are worth nothing without faith. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. It takes faith. I must have faith. 
Faith comes by hearing. You hear, you react, you move in faith to the word. So how does this work? I'm going to sound like a broken record. I've been preaching this for almost 10 years now. You've got to read it. We can come up with 10 steps to doing just about anything. But if you remove this step, it is completely a waste of our time. You have got to be in the word. Bless you. You have to be tied to the word and then you have to throw that sucker. The anchor will do no good in your boat. Just as a ship's anchor does no good until it's lowered, the word of God can't encourage you unless you take time to study and use it. There's a lot of encouragement in here. But until you get that, it's going to just remain on your shelf. Number two, once you begin to read it and get it into your heart, you start to meditate on it. What does meditate mean? I've used this example before. It's like a cow chewing cud. It's kind of gross to think of, but a cow eats its food, gets down on his belly, starts to process it, then he brings it back up and chews on it a little bit more. So you get a word today, you're going to get a word. Tonight, it's going to be processing a little bit, and you're going to bring it back up and chew on it again. That's meditation. It's not, It's not meditation. That's goofy. <laughs> meditation is bringing that word back up and chewing on it and praying about it and singing about it and living it, living it and walking it and talking it and going with your buddies and talking about it and bouncing it back and forth and understanding it. Meditate on his word the Lord's promises, and how he's proved himself to be faithful to believers in the past. Not just the collections of, of, of lives that we read about here, but the people around you. Come sit with me for five minutes. I'll give you a testimony of what God's done in my life. Just talking to one of our band members about witnessing to his family. Just tell them what God's doing in your life. You don't have to tell them how they're sinning and how they're going to go to hell and how they're so bad. No, just tell them how good God is in your life. We overcome Satan by the word of the testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. Just give him your testimony. And the testimony is not always your salvation testimony. It's your life. Tell them what's happened to you in your life. How God's rescued you. How God's come through for you in relationship, in literal storms, in finances, in marriage, in life. People want hope. That hope is going to come through you. Jesus' way of reaching this world is through his people. It's by his word through his people. Throw that anchor. Third, Believe it. If you allow yourselves to doubt God's promises, you will never receive all that he has for you. Believe it. You know, your belief will increase the more you get in the word, the more you walk, the more you walk this thing out, your belief will increase. You may start off and be able to believe this much. That's enough. It says if you just had faith the size of a mustard seed, 
this is enough to be able to grow and grow and grow until you're ready to face these big things. Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. You guys help me out back there. Just, uh, do I not have this one? Oh, okay. Psalm 46, just trust me. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble at the water's surge. It's, this is saying, God is with you. Let the oceans make all the noise they want to make. Let the storms boom and crash all that it wants. It does not affect my God. It does not affect my promises from my God. It does not affect what God says about me, even though it feels like it does. How many of you know storms make our feelings increase? It doesn't shake the kingdom of God at all. At all. Proverbs 10, 25 it says, when the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Almost lost where I am. So, we read it, we meditate on it, we believe what it says. Number four, biggie in my life, we've got to apply it. We've got to hit the apply button. Not to your spouse. It's easy to go and give somebody else the word and it not be in our own life. Do you know Satan even knows the word? I'm not trying to say if you're using the word and not in your life, you're Satan. You're not Satan. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying you can know it and not apply it. You can know it and not apply it. Knowing it isn't enough. We've got to know it and apply it. I have to apply the word. I have to put the oxygen mask on my face first. You ever fly on a plane? They always say to parents, put, if the oxygen mask drops, put it on your face first. Because if you're dead, you can never help your child. Get it on your face first. Then what'll happen is you'll get revelation. You'll see the, the problems in your own life and stop worrying about the problems in other people's lives. Quit worrying about the speck in your brother's eye and pay attention to the plank in your own eye. Finally, we have to obey it. You remember from last week, obedience is key to God's provision. If I can quickly backtrack to last week as I close. You have to obey God. We sow seed and God will bless it. Church, when we were talking about finances and giving last week, you have to plow your field. You have to sow your field. We cannot ask God just to have a check show up in our mailbox. No, we work, God blesses the work. We sow, we pray, God takes a seed that's dead and brings life to that seed. Not you. You don't bring life to that seed. 
We go and do God's word. We sow God's word in our hearts and God's responsible for the fruit. But we have to plow our field. We have to step. The steps of the righteous are ordered. You still have to step. Today you're going to get up out of your pew and you're going to have to step. If you don't, you will still be here tomorrow. Right? You have to walk out. We will eventually make you walk out. (laughs) One way or the other. You don't have to go home. You just can't stay here. Put your hands to the plow. Obey and follow God's word and watch him be awesome in your life. You want to see God be awesome in your life? Apply the word of God to your life. God's going to be awesome. My youngest child years ago, um, Elizabeth had asked this child to do something over and over and the child could never get it. It was something simple, but it was not, it was something that was appropriate for their age, but they just couldn't quite get it. And she would try and try and try and keep, kept messing up. After about 10 times, she finally got it right. And she said, wasn't I awesome? (laughs) God is going to do something awesome in your life. And not just one time. He, he is in it to the end. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. What he has started, he is in it to finish. He will not quit. He will not quit. I want to ask you, what storms are you facing? What storms are you facing? We all just bow your heads with me just for a moment. Father, I thank you that you are over the storm. There is nothing that shakes you. And Lord, right now, we just lay this storm before you and just tell you, God, this one's scaring us a little bit. And I don't know how we're going to make it. But Lord, I believe you're saying to us today that if we will just get in your word and follow it, that you will will rescue us from the storm. Not only will you rescue us, but you will provide for us in the storm. That Lord, that you won't leave us. You won't leave us hanging but you will be with us. Father, forgive us for being afraid of the storm and not for seeking you. But today we seek you. Would you just give the Lord your storm right now? What is your storm? Will you just let him have it? Just like the disciples woke up Jesus in the bottom of the boat. Jesus, we're about to crash. We're about to go down. Now, I just want to ask you, will you consider right now just saying to your storm, peace, be still. Storm, you come under the authority of Jesus Christ and his word right now. And storm, I am going to walk this thing out with the Lord. I am walking with you, Jesus. The storm's not going to get my focus any longer. Jesus, you have my focus. I will walk with you. With my health, with my finances, with my children, with my marriage. In all my ways, Lord, I'm going to try my best this week to acknowledge you. 
and stop acknowledging the storm. When the storm comes, I will acknowledge you. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I've never made the first step of receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that is you, would you just slip your hand up? We're about to take communion together and I just want to give you that opportunity right now. Do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? No one looking around. Amen. I'm going to believe that we're all believers. If you have not received Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to walk up. Your time isn't up yet. You can still receive Christ today. But at this time, we're going to just prepare our hearts for communion. If the ushers would go ahead and come forward.